You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So I already mentioned that my father-in-law was a Gideon. Um, One time I was telling someone that my father-in-law was a Gideon, and he thought I said my father-in-law was Gideon. (laughs) And he wanted to know when he started it, you know, because my father-in-law is, what, 80, close to it? So he's like, well, how long ago did he start it? I'm like, what are you talking about? Sometimes our ears have the ability to deceive us. Um, I know yesterday I was mowing the grass because the rain's coming, right? You've got to get the mowing in. And um, I was listening to some songs in the earbuds, and all of a sudden I realized that I want some lyrics that I've been singing for a long time, those aren't the lyrics. <laughs> so now I've got to learn this song over again because I've been singing it wrong. It happened to me when I was a kid. So you know, um, how many of you know that song, Let God Arise? It's a really old song whenever I was younger. When I was younger, I used to think that that said that let all of his M&Ms be scattered. And I thought, and I'm a a kid. I thought, who would do that to God? They would throw his M&Ms like that. And then I realized it's his enemies be scattered, right? Not his M&Ms. You just never know. I I remember the first time I heard that song, Fat Bottom Girls. I thought, they did not just call, they, they, surely I'm, listening, I'm hearing that wrong. They're not singing that way. And then I found out they were. Uh, so anyway, music, I get in trouble with music. Uh, but I, I like music, I listen to it. The other day I was um, realizing, though, how many songs there are out today right now that seem to be talking about spiritual stuff. I mean, there's a ton of songs out that are talking about heaven, and they're talking about uh, the Bible, and they're talking about Jesus. They're even talking about, there's even country songs that are talking about getting saved, and they got water, talking about water baptism. I'm like, what is all of this? I think it's because our culture is underneath all the stuff that's going on with politics and all the stuff that's going on with Uh, terror in the world, I think there's this underlying thing that's in our hearts that knows that without knowing, we know that time is close. And there's this, there's this draw to spirituality right now today that, that I, it wasn't like that when I was younger, when I was a kid, but it is, it's there today. And so everybody's talking about spirituality. And that really brings us to where we're going to begin today in our sermon. We put this in your sermon notes. We can all go through uh, kinds of religious maneuvers and say all the theologically correct statements. And we can even claim to be following the Lord and yet be separated from God forever. How is that? Because I, I know I believe in Jesus, so, so how is that? See, the challenge is, is that today we've promoted this thing called easy believism. It's just easy to believe. Rather than teaching people what it means to truly follow Jesus. And at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. It's not about what you believe. It's about Jesus and do you follow him. It's enough to believe that he, he lived and he died, but who are you following? So today we're, we're concluding this series that we've been in for a while. Did Jesus really say that? Uh, for those of you who might be here for the first time or first time in a long time, by the way, if you're a guest um, we want to get connected with you. Uh, we have a guest central on our, your way out. You can uh, stop by there. We want to get to know you a little bit better. We have a gift we want to get into your hands. But um, so 
on all three of our campuses for the last four or five weeks, we have been talking about, did Jesus really say that? Because there's some stuff in the Bible that it's like, I'm not sure if, did he say that? And if he did, did he really mean it that way? How did he mean it? And so we've been talking about several of those. Um, and this morning, I want to I look at one that comes from the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has uh, got a lot of people. Uh, they're on the side of the mountain, and he's talking to them, and he spends an entire day uh, preaching over lots of subjects. The Sermon on the Mount is uh, like three chapters long, and, uh, and as he gets towards the end, he begins to talk, touch on this very thing about this whole concept of it's easy to believe. But, but he says this, though, not everyone gets in. That's what he says. Jesus says this. He says, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrows the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So then he goes on and he starts talking about, not only did not everybody get in, but there's, he starts talking about false prophets. He says there's true prophets and false prophets, and he starts talking about those. And he says and these false prophets, they're complicating things. They're, they're leading people astray as, as well. And he goes on to say, but you, you'll know the true prophets because you'll know the true and the false based on their fruit, the fruit of their lives and the fruit of what they say and what they teach. So you'll know that. So if these two, complica- these two things are not heavy enough, the idea that some may get in and some may not, and that there's prophets, false prophets that are complicating this, then he comes to the text that we want to look at today. And he says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil deuters. And everything in me wants to go, wait, what? A, whoa. Not everyone who professes to be a Christian gets in. People who prophesy, people who prayed for the sick and saw the miraculous, people who uh, cast out demons. Did Jesus really say that? He just did. We just read it. It's, that's the way he said it. To, to comprehend this, you have to realize part of his character. See, Jesus is both the loving and caring shepherd who graciously provided the way of salvation, but he's also the, the judge of the unrighteous. And he's both, and he has the ability to be both. How many of you as parents, you had the ability to be the nurturing compassion, but you also had to be the you also had the ability to be the you know the lawmaker? Right? You had the ability to be both at the same time. In the first advent, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a sacrificial lamb. But there is a second advent that is coming. And he will not come as this compassionate, sacrificial lamb. He will come as the king of kings, and he will come as a righteous judge. And so God is trying to, Jesus is making this statement here based out of his personality and his character. And he's saying, yes, I want everyone in. But you need to know, just because you say the right things, Anyway, we'll get into that. I'm jumping ahead. 
Verse 24, he says this, Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. That sounds like what's coming today. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. At the end of the day, this passage is not supposed to create fear in us or concerns. It's really meant to clarify. Jesus is clarifying some things. Jesus clearly states, and this is in your notes, Jesus clearly states that it's not enough to profess the lordship of Jesus Christ. We must live out the lordship of Jesus Christ. We can be lost even in the work of God and not be willing, not be living out the will of God. You can be lost in what you're doing and not be living out the will of God. Because here's the deal. Becoming saved, it's not about being good. It's not about going to church. It's not about church partnership. It's not about following all the, the rules. For some reason, people think the Bible is a book of rules. I still have yet to find them. Um, it's not about gathering biblical knowledge. It's not about even about um, doing supernatural works, obviously, from this scripture. He, he's not in it. It doesn't matter what you've done prophetically, miraculously. You prayed and saw them healed. It, it's not about that. It comes down to this idea that we have a true saving faith. And Jesus is trying to get that point across that it's not about those who call on me. It's about those who live in me, those who believe in me, and those who really have a faith in me that's, that's permanent. So this morning, I want to talk to you about four simple things that are a true saving faith. And that I believe that Jesus is really pressing us to. And he's trying to clarify us away from this idea that we can come and sit in churches or that we can go and participate in events and we can even uh, do things in his name and see things happen, right, that he, his spirit does. But if our, our hearts aren't fully his, our hearts aren't fully his. But there's four things I want to talk to you about this morning. The first one is God's grace. Say that with me, God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. He says, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, God doesn't make it in such a way that you and I can uh, get all the credit. The idea is that he gets all the credit. We cannot save ourselves, and our good works do not in any way contribute to our salvation. See, salvation is God's work, and it comes to us by grace and by grace alone. If you and I could determine our own eternity, if we could do what it took to determine our own eternity, then what do we need Jesus for? You and I can't, right? So it's a it's a gift because we can't, because we can't uh, right our wrongs, because we can't save ourselves. God, a gracious God, it's a gift. He gives us his grace. So a saving faith has to begin with God's grace. The second thing is, is that it has to involve man's acceptance. Say that with me, man's acceptance. So Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, If you declare with your mouth, 
Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. God's provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ, but every person must make the choice to receive God's gift of salvation. Now, for those of you who are new, I just want to tell you that we still have some coffee and lemonade and snacks over here. If at any point in time you want those during the sermon, you will not bother me. You're welcome to it. Just be really quiet with your wrapper when you unwrap your, your snacks. Just kidding. Every Sunday, right over here, we make coffee and lemonade, snacks available. But how many of you know not everybody takes coffee and lemonade and snacks? Right? It's a gift. It's available. It's sitting right there. It's even presented very nicely. Right? I mean, today it's even balanced. I even noticed this. Like, the pots are on each side and the lemonade's in the middle. I mean, there's a really nice presentation of it. It's awesome. But, but the reality is, is you've got to take advantage of it. Right? It's, it's there for the taking. It's, it's free. But not everybody wants the free food and, and drinks. But it's the same way. It's the same way that it relates to eternity. God has a gift. And it's free. It's available. It's presented in an amazing way. But at the end of the day, it's about you and I accepting it. Right? The, God's grace is free. But you and I have to accept that. We have to receive that. So the third thing is a true saving faith also involves good works. Say that with me. Good works. Now I'm going to address something. I, um, I have known people in churchdom. Churchdom. That's probably a word. Um, I've known people in the church that really understand the first two points. That it, they're saved by grace and that they have to accept it. They've got it. And unfortunately, because we have different beliefs and different denominations and even the differences, especially between Protestant and Catholic, I've heard people knock on other people who believe in Jesus Christ because they think that they're trying to earn their salvation by the way that they practice their faith and what they believe. And while we may understand that it's by grace alone and that we don't have to do works to earn our salvation, we understand that. Um, that doesn't mean that those works are unnecessary. It doesn't mean that what other people are doing is meaningless. The reality is, is that we have to embrace the good works also. It's a both and. The problem is, is oftentimes in the church, we swing to the either or, right? We want to earn our salvation through works, or we just want it all by grace, and we don't have to do anything. But the reality is, is, it's kind of like the drinks. It's balanced, right? You've got to have both. Just because... Um... So let me jump. Ephesians 2.10. We just read 8 and 9 a few minutes ago. Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. We were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now I'm going to jump over here for just a second because this is not a part of your sermon. This is your bonus. It's on the side. God prepared those in advance. If God's got good works that you and I, and they've been prepared in advance for us to do, what are we doing with that? Right? 
God's, they're, they're not, the good works that God has prepared for me are not for Lynn to do, right? And the good works that he has for Craig to do are not things that Kip's supposed to do, right? Good works, God has prepared those in advance for each of us, and we're supposed to be doing them. But he does say that we've been prepared and we've been made and created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So yes, salvation is through grace, but you, you can't just throw out the good works because you're saved and you, by grace. It's a both and. Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, faith is a, without practice is a contradiction of terms. And love without obedience is an impossibility. Works in a Christ follower's life is not a prerequisite to salvation, but it is a necessary byproduct. They go together. You don't have to have it to be saved, but if you are saved, we need to be walking that out. We, it's a byproduct of what God has really done in us. Galatians 5, 6 says this. It says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Let me say that again. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. That's Galatians 5, 6. So how do we express our faith and love? Good works. By serving others. By serving our community. By sharing the gospel. Listen, when you come to a, to a Sunday morning and you share what the Gideons are doing. This is a good work, right? This is this is us sharing our faith and love. When you're a Gideon and you're out doing and you're placing Bibles in other places, that's a good work. It's it's the sharing because why? Because we love enough to make sure that people know about our faith. It's there waiting on them when they open that bed stand. I always check. I travel a lot these days and I always check the bed stands just to make sure they're there. And they are. You guys are doing a great job. Um but that's one way, right, that we're serving. We serve each other. We serve others. We, when we serve others, it's good works. But it's not. we're not just talking about any old service and any old good works, which brings us to the fourth point. This one is right construction. Say that with me, right construction. And this one's a little more play on the words than the other three. The other three have been pretty much straight up. But right construction is a play on our text this morning. In verse uh, 24 of our text, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. See, salvation begins with a decision to receive God's grace, and then it involves building our lives on Jesus Christ. It is the right construction. It's not just a matter of doing good works anywhere. I can take cookies to my neighbors, and that's probably a good work. But there's no salvation in it. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's not a, um, it's not a part of my saving faith, taking cookies to my neighbors. It may be a part of building a relationship that may later provide the opportunity for me to really impact their lives. Um, and by the way, I like chocolate chip cookies. If you want to bring them to me instead, that might be a good work. Um, or apple pie. Or chocolate pie with a really thick meringue. Um, 
We have to examine ourselves, though. The reality is this, is what Jesus is saying is it's not just if we're doing the right things, if we're saying the right things, even if we claim to be his, right? Just because we say, Lord, Lord, and we're doing all it's, it's that's not it. The reality is, is who are we really? Who are we on the inside? What are we really doing? Are we, are we really pursuing him? And so it brings us to this place, and it's the last half of what we have before us today. And it's this idea of, from time to time, we need to do a spiritual assessment. Because in many ways, that's what Jesus was forcing the people who were listening to him to do it. They, were, they, had, they had heard all of these different things on the Sermon on the Mount, and he gets to the tougher things at the end, and then he presses them into this topic. And I'm going to tell you, it, it, I promise you, people who were there, if, if he's telling you, You've been listening to him all the day, all day long, and all of a sudden you say, "Just because you call on me doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to have eternal life." I think a lot of them are saying, "Well, what does it?" You know, they they started doing a self-assessment. We want to talk about. So, what can we do? What kind of things can we look at? Well, the first thing is this: is have I really placed my faith in Jesus Christ, the Master of my life? That's the first question. Do I really believe Him? Have I really received Him? You know, um, it's easy. It's easy to say a prayer and raise our hand. When we did this Power of the Cross rally, right, a few weeks ago, there were a lot of people who actually came forward who said they had raised their hand and come forward at, at church services and, and things before. But they were coming forward because he made a special call. If you've done that, and you've, but you know you really didn't mean it. You were just doing it. But you mean it today. Come forward. And like all of these people came flooding. I thought, wow, look at that. All of these people who somewhere along the way raised their hand, prayed a prayer, and did all that thing. But they really didn't mean it. So we know that that can happen. John 1 says this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. See, the reality is, is that we have the ability to become children of God. We have to receive him. Is our faith really in him? Second question, second thing that we can do is you can ask yourselves, are my beliefs established on God's word? There's so many theories about life right now, about spirituality, about creation. Even there's a lot of theories about eternity out there right now. So many people right now are basing their belief structures on a movie that they watched in a theater, right? They saw a movie on end times. They saw a movie that talked about heaven. They saw a movie where um, someone talked about going to church and being saved. They saw, but that's not truth, right? Are our beliefs established on God's word? That's why it's so important with our partnership with the Gideons and what we're doing is because it's it's all about the word. What are we, what are our beliefs in? And do we know? Are we reading it for ourselves? First Timothy says this, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve them. I'm sorry, persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So we want to know that our not only do we um, have our faith in Jesus Christ and our beliefs are in his word, but 
is there any evidence that we're becoming like Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Is there any evidence that I'm becoming like Jesus? Ephesians 4 talks about the idea that you're putting off your old self and you're putting on your new self in Jesus Christ. So that means that there should be some noticeable shift in who we are. There should be some noticeable shift as to who we are becoming in Christ. In fact, he even goes on to say this, that we will be shifting from our deceitful desires to our true uh, righteousness and holiness. So here's a question. Has anybody taken notice of who you're becoming lately? Has anybody noticed a difference in who you're becoming? You say, well, I've been walking with Christ for a long time. Yeah, but I would say that he is still continuing to change us. And we are becoming more and more like him. Has anybody recently noticed a difference in who you are and what you and, and what God is um, doing in your life and how you're becoming? Here's the fourth and final one. Are there good works that reveal the reality of Jesus Christ in my life? You can ask yourself that. Are there good works that reveal the reality of Jesus Christ in my life? If someone claims to have, James says this, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? So can basically what he's saying is, can a belief structure alone save you? Think about you're coming and you're going, your daily routines. What opportunities have you had to be Christ's hands? And did you follow through? Really? James goes on to say, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but you don't do anything about the needs that you see, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. That's what James says. So what needs do you see around you? And what have you done about them? It's easy to get blinders on and not see stuff that's happening around us, not see the people who are hurting. A few weeks ago, I think it was we were with Alan Martha a few weeks ago we went into a restaurant and we were coming out the lady at the register she was a mess I mean she had been crying and she was a mess and I just I paused and I, I handed her my little thing to pay and she handed her stuff and she was moving pretty quickly and she was tears were still flowing and I, and I just I said is there anything that I can pray with you about are you okay and she said People are just so rude, especially on Sunday. I thought, oh gosh. She said, they're so mean, the things that they say and their actions. And I just told her, I looked over and I said, well, you served me really well today and you did a great job. I said, I'm sorry that people act that way. And I said, but you're doing a great job. And she looked at me and she said, thank you. That's the kindest thing anybody said all day to me. And that's not a big deal, right? 
but I saw the need. The need was she needed encouragement because she was to the point of tears. Do we see what's going on around us? The beginning of the year, I said something. I think I've maybe even mentioned this before. I said something to a lady at the grocery store because I don't talk to people in the grocery store. I'm kind of head down getting my stuff and I'm out of there because if I don't, then I'll notice the donuts and I'll get those. And I'm trying not to read the magazines, you know, it's like all this stuff. And so I just don't talk. And I talked to this lady and I said, Happy New Year. And, and uh, I said, Are you big plans for this year? And she said, uh, no. She said, I'm just glad this, this last year is over. And as I engaged her in a conversation that I normally wouldn't do, I found out that she's anticipating that she's going to lose her husband this year in 2017. And I told her, I said, Joyce, I'm going to pray for you. And it's like, you could tell, like, you know, you're like, you're doing this and I'm going to pray for you. And it's like, you could tell, like, she just froze and she didn't know what to say. And you could tell, see that tears starting to well up in her eyes. I said, no, really, I'm going to pray for you. It's like, she had to say, thank you. And she had to kind of get back to it. Otherwise she was going to lose it. And I realized that, do we see the needs and the people and the lives around us? They're all over the place. They're in grocery stores, right? They're in restaurants, they're at gas stations. They're in our workplaces. They're right next door in the house of the people who live next door. Do we see the needs? Are there good works that reveal the reality of Jesus Christ in my life? Listen, don't wait for the church to do it. You are the church. Don't wait for Pastor Daniel and I to organize something to, so that we as a church have done something. No, when you do it, we as a church have done something. Do you understand? We want to live a life that people see something in us. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, he's awesome. He's such a godly man. Yeah, he's a pastor. I want people to go, I don't know what he does, but he's, there's something different. Every time I'm around that guy, there's something different. That's the way we live our life, not because of what we do as a career or anything else. It's who we are as a people, who God has made us to be. And it's because we want to live in such a way that we're not just claiming his name, but we're living our lives in the way that he said. So that when we get there, we won't be one of those ones who says, Yeah, I I know you prayed for a couple people and they got healed, but I never knew you. I don't like that part of scripture. But the crazy thing is, is it was red letters, right? Jesus said it. We want to live our lives not to earn our salvation, but with an amazing awareness of salvation we've already been given. And it's such a way that other people would be impacted and they would want to know what it is that's different. At the end of the day, I would want us as a congregation. So this is Paul. All right, this is my heart. I would want us as a congregation to live our lives in such a way that regardless of what happens at that restaurant on a Sunday afternoon, that when we come through, that we're living our lives in such a way that when we walk out the door, people will go, yeah, there's some people are here so rude on Sundays, but not them. They go to Grace Covenant. I can tell. 
as we exhibit the life and the heart of who Jesus is and who he's become to us. Yes? I'm going to ask you this morning, we're going to conclude. I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. So in a minute, we're going to ask the the prayer teams to come forward and they're going to be available to pray with you over anything, anything you might need prayer over, finances, uh, situations at home, relationship challenges. If you need to truly come to Christ today, not just raise a hand and pray a prayer, but you really, you could come and do that as well. But this morning, I want to pray over us as we go. Father, I thank you for the privilege Lord, to lead this congregation. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be your hands and your feet extended into our community. God, I pray that you would help us to not just speak the right things or even just do things because we're supposed to. God, I pray that you would help us to assess ourselves and live our lives in such a way, God, that we're fully aware of who you are and what you've done in our lives, and that it, the way we live expresses that to others. God, I thank you, and I pray that you would help us to walk out a truly saving faith, not just something that comes off of the the lips easy, something we can nod our head to confidently, but God really at the core of who we are. Lord, today I pray for this congregation, and I pray that as we go out today, God, I pray that we would go in your favor and in your might. God, today we bless them, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.